Well, good morning again. This is our second service this morning, and uh, uh, let me see. One, two, three. One, two. Okay, there it is. Good morning again. Um, this is our second service. Our first service. Uh, we had a great time in our, during our first service. Uh, our first service is always in Spanish. So we have our Spanish service at 9 o'clock in the morning. At 10, 10.45, we have our English service. And uh, starting uh, sometime next month, we will probably be transferring the Spanish service from a classroom to the worship center. And uh, this morning, everybody was very excited in our Spanish ministry uh, that we will be transferring here soon. There are some details that we need to work on, but I'll pray and I ask you guys for prayers on that um, uh, for the 9 o'clock service. Um, and so if you know anybody who speaks Spanish, just uh, please make the effort and invite them over. Um, you know, just like Matt and May are in, uh, in Japan, we also have a mission field here in the Norwalk community. And this morning, one of the best things that happened this morning is that we had cake and burritos. Especially made from TJ. Not, not the burritos you know, not those huge burritos. No, but the TJ burritos. There's small burritos. Uh, Monica made some burritos. And if you, if, so there's, there's two things. If you want to eat good, and if you want to learn Spanish, join our Spanish service. Well, I don't know anything. I don't understand anything. Hey, I had students, college students who didn't know any Spanish just by coming to our Spanish church, one of our church plants that I, I did a, year, a few years ago. They came, and four years later, they left, they went back home, and they knew they were fully bilingual by that time. So you want to learn, learn Spanish, uh, come over to our service, join our service. It's at 9 o'clock, and so I encourage you to do that. Um, but I want to start by asking you a question today. Uh, we're on chapter 2 in the book of Haggai this morning. Uh, we've been going uh, for four weeks. We're going to have one more week, so uh, next week is going gonna, is, is gonna to be the day when we finalize the study in the book of Haggai. We're in chapter 2 today, and um, uh, you know we've been talking about putting first things first. So our focus is being in the importance of, of priorities in life. How important are priorities in your life? You know, you know it, it depends what you have as a priority in your life, what you accomplish in your life. So it should be very important for you to have your priorities in the right order. So I want to start, I want, I want to start by asking you these very important questions. You know, we as people are so much better are starting something than we are at finishing something. Would you agree with that? We are better at starting something. We, we're good at starting something, but not good at finishing. And a lot of times, it's because in the process, we get discouraged. For one reason or another, in the process, we face certain situations. We face certain situations that will discourage us if we let those situations discourage us. I don't know if you ever found yourself discouraged or losing motivation right after you start a significant project in your life. Maybe, maybe you started a new job and you thought, oh, you know what, this new job is going to be amazing. This is what I've been dreaming of all of my life. And then a couple of months later, it's not what you thought it was going to be. Maybe you started a new business. And things were not the way you thought it was going to be. You thought, oh, you know what, I, I'm going to start a new business, I'm going to have employees, and then I can rest. No, when you have a business, you are the one that works the most. What about a fitness journey? Fitness journey is everybody in January 1st 
That's where everybody starts, right? And then at the end of the month, do you still there? You know, we lose motivation a lot of times. I don't know if you ever tried to learn a musical instrument. And then later on, <clears throat> all of a sudden you just got discouraged. And, and for some reason you were discouraged. Maybe, maybe your thoughts defeated you. Or other people came into your life and said negative things about what you were trying to do. And those things that people said to you discourage you. So it is common to feel discouraged when things don't go the way we want them to go. It's so, it's so common to experience discouragement when things don't go the way I want them to go. Or when it gets tough. Because nobody wants to deal with tough. In the face of life's, life's challenges, we often find ourselves dealing with discouragement. Discouragement is a feeling of loss of confidence or enthusiasm. You know, the confidence or the enthusiasm we had before is not there anymore. So, so today we'll talk about discouragement, that, that feeling that we experience sometimes when life gets tough. So God is totally the opposite of us. We, get, we easily get discouraged. And let me tell you something. We get discouraged. Discouragement begins right here. In the way we think. It begins with our thoughts. It, the, the, you know, the negative thoughts that go into your head. And you forget how faithful God is. Will make you feel discouraged. But God, it's totally the opposite of us. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, uh, the, the Apostle Paul told the, told the church, wrote to the church in Philippi uh, by saying this in verse 6 of chapter 1. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. In, in other words... Paul was telling the, the church in Philippi, I am sure the God who began a good work within you will keep right on, helping you grow in His grace until the task is complete. God will not give up. God will not get discouraged. He is faithful to His promises. He does not get discouraged. But unfortunately, we as people can easily get discouraged. We start something and in a month later, uh, you know, we get discouraged. For whatever reason we get discouraged, we get discouraged. And, and at the end of chapter 1, when we were talking about last week, at the end of chapter 1, remember in verse 14 of chapter 1, let's go to the next slide. Let's go to, ah, uh, never mind, we don't have the next slide. Okay, so at the end of chapter 1, in, uh, in Haggai chapter 1, verse 14, it says that the Lord stir up the spirits of the, the spirit of the people. Remember that God had freed the people, they gave, He gave them freedom, so they can go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple and worship God. So the purpose of giving them freedom, uh, it, it was so they can go back and worship the Lord. But they put other things as a priority before God. They put their own houses, they put their own, uh, you know, their personal things before God. And, and so they finally listened to God, listened to the prophet Haggai, and they said, you know what, we got to change these things. We got to get back to what God wants us to do. And so the Lord stirred up the spirit of the people of, of uh, Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the people of Israel. And so in verse 14, at the end of verse 14 in chapter 1, it says that they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. They began to work. They were encouraged. 
They were ready to rebuild the temple. And we've been talking about that for the last three, four weeks already. But when we get to chapter 2 in Haggai, I I want you to notice one thing. How the people a month later, actually 27 days later, they were already discouraged. So 16 years before, they were discouraged and they stopped rebuilding the temple. They came, waited for 16 years, worry about their own personal things, and forgot about God, and God gave them consequences for forgetting about God, which is the normal thing that happens in people's life. You forget about God, there are consequences when you don't take God in consideration in your life. So after that, a month, 27 days to be exact, go by, and 27 days later, it says in chapter 2, verse 1, on the 21st day of the seventh month, and I want you to keep in mind that date, because it's very important, uh, just two months from Haggai's initial message in the beginning of chapter 1, and a month after they took and, and they went to work after he finished chapter 1, only a month after that second message, they were already discouraged. And it says that it was on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, and speak to Zerubbabel, if you remember, Zerubbabel was the governor, speak to Joshua, uh, Joshua was the high priest, so he, he, he went for the main leaders, the, 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 the leaders in, um, in Israel. And he says in chapter 3, Who of you is left who saw this house in the former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? So what does he mean, that verse? Remember that this is the second temple they're rebuilding. The first temple was the temple Solomon built. And it was an amazing, it was a glorious temple. It was full of gold. So a month later, when these people are rebuilding the temple, what happens is... The temple doesn't look as nice as the temple of Solomon. So you got to remember that there were some people left. So when, when the Babylonians took the Israelites for 70 years of captivity, they left some people there because they were too old. They were not going to use them as slaves in Babylon. So the people from Babylon come back after 70 years of slavery. And when they come back... And they're trying to listen to the Lord. And they're trying to rebuild the temple. There are other people in the people among them. There are other people who are telling them, you know what? Yeah, I know you guys are trying to rebuild this temple, but no, this is nothing. This is nothing in comparison to the other temple. This is not good. The, the other temple was glorious, was amazing. And, and so the people of Israel who began... To be, who were encouraged to rebuild the temple in chapter 1, at the end of chapter 1. Now they're like, oh yeah, you know what, maybe, maybe, maybe it's true. What are we doing? This temple doesn't look as good as the other temple. And so they, 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 they begin to get discouraged. And then God says, wait a minute. Verse 4. But now, be strong, Zerubbabel. Remember, Zerubbabel was the governor. Joshua, be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all you people of the land. So God tells them, be strong, be strong, be strong. Hey, be careful. Do not get discouraged. Be strong. And, and he tells them, uh, uh, declares the Lord and work. 
I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenant with you when I came out of, when you came out of Egypt and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Be strong. Work. I'm with you. Do not fear. So when we read these first uh, verses, the first five verses in the second chapter of Haggai, we realize that the people were discouraged. Now, discouragement is a very dangerous thing. Discouragement is a very dangerous thing. Um, Why were they discouraged? Have you ever been discouraged before? It's, 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 It's not a good thing. When you feel that sense of discouragement, you don't want to move forward. Whatever area in your life you feel discouraged, you just don't want to do what you were thinking about doing before. You just like, you know what, yeah, I was going to do that, or I was going to try that. I was going to try to get better at this. I was going to try to get better with my family, better with my marriage. I was trying to do better. But I, I don't think I want to do it anymore. I don't know if you ever sensed that discouragement before. But before we see why they were discouraged, we, we need to understand discouragement. Discouragement can be a powerful tool against individuals of any faith, especially Christians. It often, uh, encouraging, uh, discouragement also often manifests through doubts. We begin to doubt God. If you are ever discouraged... Let me, let me just help you think about this. If you are ever discouraged, that means for that moment or for that situation, you're not trusting in God. Does that make any sense? Because if you are trusting in God in every situation in your life, you will not get discouraged. Because you will understand that whatever goes on in your life, God has control of it. And if God is in control, that means God has a better plan than you do for your own life. So why get discouraged? To the contrary, we should be encouraged. And we should, we, we should know for a fact that God has the power and the control of our lives and our future. The discouragement is that feeling that you get when you step on a scale... Have you ever stepped on scale when you've been working out a lot? And then you step on the scale and you're like, oh man, I thought I was losing weight. And that feeling of discouragement. Now, you know, why am I going to keep on doing this? Discouragement is that feeling when you get, uh, you know, when, 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 um, when you've been interested in a romantic, romantically interested in somebody for a little while and you work at it. And a little bit later, that person tells you, oh, you're such a good friend. And they send you to the friend zone, right? It's definitely a feeling of losing hope, losing confidence, losing courage. You get discouraged. You had hope before, but now you get discouraged. Now now you're losing it. You had courage and strain, but now it's slipping away. That courage and strength is slipping away. And you are not sure how much longer you can keep on going. And you're, you're discouraged. I believe that the two greatest ways that the devil discourages, uh, or what the devil likes to put in Christians is two things. Fear. The devil likes to impose fear in you. Fear that you are not good enough. Fear that you're not going to uh, do good enough. 
and discouragement. Once the devil puts that in our heads, we're done if we follow that. Fear and discouragement. Who do you think is doing that? God is not doing that. God is not doing that. God is not giving us a spirit of fear. Spirit of fear, it's not coming from God. God is not giving us a spirit of discouragement. God is a God of encouragement. God is with us. And so the people of Israel here, when they were experiencing these people telling them, you know what, this temple is not as good as the other temple. So, so one of the things that brings discouragement is when you hear negative talk. You know, these things is not as good or, or when you live in the past. And you keep on comparing the past with the present. So what was happening here? I want you to see why were they discouraged. If you look at verse 3, in verse 3 it says, Who of you is left who sold this house in the former glory? In other words, there were people still there. There were older people in the people among, among the southern kingdom of Israel. And these people were looking at the temple. They were, you know, I can imagine these people saying, that doesn't, that, that doesn't look as good as the other one look. Have you ever heard people who always live in the past? Can live in the past. You know, we can learn from the past, but we should not get stuck in the past because we got to move forward. We have a God who wants us to look forward. And if we don't move forward, we're going to get be left behind, stuck in the past, and discouraged. And that's where Satan wants you to be. Satan doesn't want you to think that you can get better. He doesn't want you to think that your marriage can get better. He doesn't want you to think that you can do better with your kids. He doesn't want you to think that you can do better in general. And so you start hearing these words of discouragement. And you keep on, you know, you can keep on comparing yourself with other stuff. So there were, these people were comparing the old temple with the new temple. And that was not a good thing for them. Because they got discouraged. There were people who were being pessimists, discouraging others. And um, we got to be very careful when we hear negative talk. we got to be very careful. Remember how many... One negative person can contaminate easily 24 people. And it takes 18 people to get that negative person to turn into a positive person. You got to be careful when you are the one giving words of discouragement. Because we're responsible for what we say. And, and, and so they were discouraged. And, and, and there are two things here. Uh, why they were discouraged number one they were comparing have you ever have you ever been compared with somebody you know I heard when I done counseling I heard sometimes when husbands tell their wives it's because you don't look like like that or vice versa the worst thing you can do if you want to destroy a relationship compare people God doesn't like us to do that. Because we're all individuals made in God's image. And He loves us and He made us the way we are. And so they were comparing. They they were comparing people. They they were comparing things here. 
And just discouragement came as a result of comparing. When you, you know, when you get discouraged, you can be quickly debilitating your life. It can cause you to give up trying, give up hoping. And that's what they were giving up. They were ready to give up not even a month later. Sometimes people get to the point of saying, you know, I'm so burned down. Have you ever get to that point? When you feel like, I'm so burned down, I'm so overwhelmed, I don't even know what to think anymore or what to believe anymore. What, what do I care about? When you get to that point, you're discouraged. But let me remind you something once again. When you get discouraged, in that situation that you are discouraged, that means you stop trusting in God. You forgot who has control. Or you might know it. You might know it up here, but not in here. You know, even David, when he felt discouraged in Psalm chapter 42, verse 5, David said, why? When he was discouraged, he, he asked himself, he asked this question, why, my soul, are you downcast? David, what's, there were moments where he was discouraged. But why are you, my soul, are downcast? Why, why are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? It's the discouragement is something that takes your heart and he rips it apart. And if you don't remember that in those moments when you're about to get discouraged, I got to remember I have to trust in the Lord that the Lord is with me. And later on, God has to remind them, I am with you. Do not get discouraged. Move forward because I am with you. My spirit is among you. You have to value that. But right, right after he says that, David questions himself. Why are you so disturbed within me? Immediately David says, no, 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 no. I, I, and let me tell you why. You get discouraged and you get defeated right here. You think discouragement, you will be discouraged. And immediately David said, put your hope in God. Oh no, my spirit, my soul, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. When you get discouraged, you stop trusting God for that moment. So basically, they were comparing, and comparing is a dangerous thing to do. They were comparing the, the beauty of the temples. Uh, they were thinking about the good old days. They were never going to be the same. Because uh, the past is the past. It stays in the past. You move forward to do greater things for God. Not if you get stuck in the past. Reality check. I had a reality check the other day. I, I was trying to play soccer. Whoo, man. My last soccer game was like 15 years ago. And you try to play soccer at 53. It's like, no, don't do that. And then you try to do a dribble, and it's like, oh, my back. Right? Reality check. We are where we are in life. we got to just move forward and enjoy what God has given us. For God is doing a new thing. So God wanted them to rebuild the temple. 
That's what God wanted them to do. So how did God respond to their discouragement? They were discouraged because they were listening to negative people. People who were not willing to go. Instead of going and helping rebuild the temple, they were talking. Have you ever met people like that? That they like to talk, but they don't do? They talk more than what they do? That's sad. That's sad. You know, no, get on it. And the reason a lot of people like to talk negative stuff is because they have nothing to do. Get busy and you will get to do something for the Lord. And so, uh, why? Why, why, why? I mean, uh, how did God respond to their discouragement? Verse, uh, let's go to the next slide, please. And, and we'll see. God's response to their discouragement was this. It, it says, but now be strong, Zerubbabel, who was the, uh, the, the, the governor. Be strong, Joshua. And be strong, all you people of the land. Be strong, be strong to the leaders. Be strong leaders. To the other leader, to the, to the, to the, to the, to the political leader, be strong. To the religious leader, be strong. To the people, be strong. It's not just the leaders, it's the people also. Be strong, be strong, be strong, declares the Lord. And do what? Be strong and work. Be strong and go sit down and go lay down and, you know, do nothing so you can keep on taking stuff that is not useful. He said, be strong and work. Why? Be strong and work. Be strong and be encouraged. Why? Because I am with you. The reason we get discouraged is because we forget God is with us. Anytime you get discouraged, it's because you are forgetting to trust in the one who is with you. He said, I'm with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So he takes him even back, farther back, years and years ago. He says, do you, do you not remember what I did when you guys were slaves in Egypt? I'm reminding you that I give you freedom from that. I have been with you. I give you food in the desert. I give you water in the desert. I cover you with a cloud in the desert. I give you fire during the desert. I mean, I give you everything. Do you not remember that? So why are you afraid? And then he tells them, do not fear. Because discouragement can stop you from doing the work that you're supposed to do. Discouragement will... Make you think that God is not with you. And discouragement will make you afraid. You, you get that fear that gets into your heart and into your mind. And discourages you even more. Do not be discouraged. Be strong. In other words, remain steadfast in your faith. Trust in God's promise. Persevere despite of the challenges. God doesn't want you to be comparing anything. God doesn't... You know what? That's not the way we did it before. And and God is doing a new thing. Are you looking to the future? Or are you looking in the past? It is a call to resilience and determination in the face of difficulties. God is telling them, be strong, be strong, be strong, and work. Why? Because I am with you. I am faithful. Basically, in verse 5, he's saying, I'm faithful. 
I did it before. I'm going to do it again. Do not fear. Fear and discouragement are the favorite tools of the devil in a Christian's life. Because of fear and because of discouragement, a lot of times people just stop going to church. Don't want to read their Bibles. Don't want to pray anymore. Don't want to share the gospel with their own kids. Couples at homes don't want to pray together anymore. Because they're discouraged. Why are we going to do that anyways? It doesn't work, some people say. No, it works. Because when you pray together as families... You're showing that you're trusting in the Lord. That you're asking the Lord to guide your steps. So what's God antidote to discouragement? He says in verse 6 and 9. God's antidote to discouragement. He says in verse 6. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. So basically in verse 6 he's telling them, you know what? I, I am powerful. Why are you going to be discouraged? I am powerful. I have all the power in the universe. I am the powerful one. So I have the power to do this. I will shake all nations. And what is desired by all nations will come. So let me tell you a little something, a, 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 a little something in history here. In the few minutes that we have left. Why did he say, I will, why did he say, I will take all the nations and what is desired by all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory. Notice one thing. They were worried about the temple in the way the temple looked. Should have they, be, should they have worried about that? Maybe a little bit just for looks. But the temple was external stuff. God's glory. Is what made the temple special. It wasn't the temple in itself. It was the glory of God in the temple. A lot of times we worry so much about the material stuff. That we forget what's inside of our hearts. We worry so much about the external. That we forget about the internal. And God says you know what. He tells them, I will put my glory in here. But what's interesting is, you remember what was the date? What was the date that it said in verse 1? The date in verse 1, it says that it was on the 27, what? 27 day of, on the 21st day of the seventh month. Do you know what date was that? That was the date of the feast, the last day of the seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles. So watch this. Feast of Tabernacles was celebrated for seven days. That, the 21st day of the seventh month was the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. What was the Feast of Tabernacles celebrated for? To remember God's provision through the desert. And so what they did to celebrate that is, the first six days... They had these jars of water, full with water. And they went through the city and the land, and they were pouring water in the land, showing that God had fulfilled all those blessings and those promises. But when they got to that, so they did that for six days, and there was a big party going on in Israel. But on the seventh day, 
they had an, em- an empty jar. There was no water. That symbolized that they were waiting for God to fulfill other promises and other blessings. Guess when was the last day that they celebrated that? On the 21st day of the seventh month. Which is when he's giving them this message. So that jar was empty. So let's, let's go forward a few hundred years ago, a few hundred years later. Who, guess who was in the temple? Who walked in this new temple years later? Jesus. Jesus walked in this temple that they, they couldn't care less for back then. So the glory of God, God Himself was in this temple. And on the seventh day of the Feast of Tabernacles, on the 21st day, the same day they said this, that they got this message, Jesus is standing in the temple, and Jesus says, If anybody thirsts, I will give you water. I will fill your dissatisfaction. And you will, be, you will thirst no more. The same day, Years later, Jesus is fulfilling this. Those just, that's just for God. God's showing us. Remember that the people were dissatisfied. They were not satisfied. In chapter 1, they were not satisfied with anything. They ate and it was not enough. Remember that? We went over this last week, two weeks ago. And they never had enough and they were so dissatisfied. And now Jesus is saying, you see this empty yard? I am the one, I am the promise who's going to fulfill this. I am the one who's going to give you what you need to be satisfied in the world. Because there's nothing that's going to satisfy you if God is not. If God is not in your life, you will never be satisfied. And so Jesus, God's antidote to discouragement basically, is to trust That the Lord has control of every situation. The silver is mine, says the Lord. The gold is mine. I want you to remember that they thought this temple is not as good as this. This other one was amazing. And now God is saying, you know what? You guys are focusing so much on the external that you guys get discouraged. You worry so much about the physical that you get discouraged. Worry about my presence in the temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Worry about my presence in your life. Because if my presence is in your life, you will not get discouraged. If my presence is in your life, you're going to press on. You're going to move forward. God is telling them, your problem is that you're not allowing my presence to be in your life. You're not allowing Jesus to be the one who fulfills that promise in your heart. So don't get discouraged, he says. I have the power. Don't get discouraged, I will fulfill my promises. Don't get discouraged, the silver and the gold are mine. Trust in the Lord Almighty. 
if we trust in God, that is the best antidote to discouragement. Look forward. Don't get stuck in the, pa- in the past. I will shake the nations, he says in verse 7. And what is desired by all nations will come. And there was Jesus years later in the temple. And I will fill this house with glory. God can fill your life with His glory. If you trust in Him. If you trust in Him. So are you ready to trust in the Lord? Whenever you get discouraged, you have forgotten what God has done for you before. Because He is faithful. We might not be. As a matter of fact, we're not. But He is. He is faithful. And that should give us encouragement to know that no matter what happens, He's in control of our lives. So they moved forward and went on and they were strong and they kept on going in the rebuilding of the temple. God Himself had to come and give them that encouragement. God can encourage your heart. The question is, are you going to allow that? Are you going to stop worrying about the, uh, all the external stuff? And start worrying about what's in your heart? See, if God has your heart, God has everything from you. But if God doesn't have your heart, then you're going to continue to put God in the back seat and not as a priority in your life. God wants you to put Him as a priority in your life. Priority number one, not number two, not number three. If He is number one in your life, the rest of things will fall by nature. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added on to you. Father, we thank You so much this morning for Your Word. Father, we praise You for, for the Scriptures. For they uh, explain to us all these, all these amazing and beautiful things that you have in store for us. We are so blessed to have a God who gives us a message after message, who is so patient with us, that even in the moments when we get discouraged, you have a message for our hearts. And that we should look forward. And we should not hear to negative talk who will, that, that will discourage us. But we will be encouraged by listening to you that you are in our midst. You are in our lives. You are in our hearts. You are in our families. And so there is hope for the family. There is hope for the church. There is hope for the city. There is hope for the world. Lord, we pray that you will help us. That every time we get discouraged, we will remember, if I'm discouraged, am I trusting in the Lord? Am I trusting He is with me and in me? 
In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.